0: Okay, so, uh, so the uh, this is one of uh, Isha Iribo's, I think, one of his uh, most popular songs. And uh, I remember when it first came out, it was really, everybody was talking about it. Uh, a lot of people in my circle of friends, educators, rabbis, all kinds of representatives of, uh, you know, the religious sector. People who are religious, people who are engaged in... In Judaism, in all, all different ways, whether they were rabbis or lay people or teachers, or so many people were talking about it, so many people feel, felt that they connected to it, and uh, derive a lot of inspiration from it and are moved by it, and you saw that, uh, like, this is how he closed out his concert, the major concert that he had with this song, and it was like the finale, and everybody was talking about that as well, the people that were there, people who described it, although it's impossible to get an actual video of that last part, just sort of maybe a snippet of the last minute, but to see the whole performance, uh, we were not able to find a video of it. It would have been nice to see, but we can uh, use our imagination, I guess. The point is that it's considered to be an extremely powerful song, and the question is, what is the source of that power? What really is it that moves us about the song? The music is... uh, is pretty remarkable, actually. I can't get into the details of the uh, of the music from uh, any expert point of view, but there is something very majestic about the music, and and particularly the theme, the, the musical theme that's associated with the Bochshem Kebod Malchut That all of a sudden it has this sort of, the, the music goes up and there's no vocals and it's very very powerful. Um, the crescendo of music that that follows that that line. And uh, that's definitely by design. But in order to get into this song, so you need a little bit of a background in the Avodah Yom Kippur. And one of the beautiful things about the song is that it offers an opportunity to familiarize ourselves a little bit with the uh, service of Yom Kippur in the Beit HaMikdash, which in our Sidurim or Machzorim occupies a pretty large spot because the entire Musaf is essentially a recounting of every step of the Kohen Gadol service on Yom Kippur uh, Some of it we know well And a lot of what he mentions in the song Or what he what he cites in the song Or, or you know, blends into his uh, musical creation Are moments in the Avodah That are very familiar to us And we know that music many times The most evocative and powerful music Is music that is able to sort of repackage themes or content that strikes us as familiar. Many times, artists, contemporary artists will take older songs or even just what they call, you know, sort of borrow musical quotations from, uh, from other songs and blend them into a new kind of song. But it's that familiar feel that draws a person in. And then it directs your attention to what's different about the original song, the source from which those quotes were taken, and the new song that you're listening to right now. But that's part of the magic. And you'll notice that a lot of popular songs, even in, you know, in contemporary terms, even pop songs that are, um, that are very popular and uh, that, that grab a large audience, you know, attract a large audience, are songs that are actually drawing from songs that were popular 20 or 30 years ago and that we vaguely remember and they're in the back of our minds. And when we hear certain musical themes, musical quotations, uh, musical ideas that are uh, rewoven into a new cloth, so uh, they draw us in. They, uh, they attract us because that familiarity is, is a big factor. Um, so when you hear, for example, the, Kohen, the, the Baruch Shem Kivod it's powerful in and of itself, but it's also the most powerful part of the Musaf, where people bow on the ground, and they say, Shem Kavod, it's, like, it's, it's a major moment in the Musaf of Yom Kippur. Also the achat v'achat, because everybody repeats it again and again. Achat achat v'achat, achat v'Shtayim, achat, achat v'Shalosh, achat v'arba. People are accustomed to repeating it and hearing it multiple times in the course of the repetition of the Amidan of the Musaf on Yom Kippur. So again, people recognize that as familiar, and the whole narrative of the Kohen Gadol going here, going there, and, uh, and performing different services or changing his clothes. So we're going to look at what Ishairibo does in the song. Obviously, this is not an exhaustive description or what you might call like a historically accurate description of the Avodah. And that, that's what's very um, intriguing about the song and I think is part of the mystique of the song. What I think... Um, is one of the factors about the song that makes it so attractive is there's a mystique. You feel like you're hearing something that there's more to it than what you can get on one listen or two listens or one reading or two readings. It, it, it seems larger than, uh, than itself. It's like it's almost asking you, to meditate on it and to reflect on it. And I think that's oftentimes, that's part of the beauty of poetry, really great poetry. You can understand it and appreciate it, but you always feel like there's something more beyond the words and beyond what you're getting, that you're just sort of scratching the surface. And I feel like that's true about this particular song. So let's try to get into the song, but just to give an outline of what the elements of the actual Yom Kippur Avodah are that Yishai Rebo is drawing from here. So we know that the, the Kohen Gadol was the only person who was allowed to perform any of the services on Yom Kippur. And the services involved entry into the Kodesh Kodashim, which we all know, into the Holy of Holies, only once a year. Really, it goes twice, but only on one occasion, meaning only on Yom Kippur, does the, does the Kohen Gadol enter into that space or anybody enter into that space He doesn't really go into the details of what the Kohen Gadol does along the way. For example, that there was something called that there was this, the goat that was sent out, there was the goat that was sacrificed, there was a bull that was sacrificed, and he made confessions over each one, confessed all of the sins, brought their blood into the Kodesh HaKodeshim, brought their blood into the, into the Kodesh, which is the area right outside of the Kodesh HaKodeshim. All of these things he doesn't talk about. And if you really look at the song, you'll notice something that I only noticed when I started preparing today, when I was thinking that I was going to have to speak about the song, um, and I, I, like probably many of you, have listened to the song before and noticed that it's, there's something uh, very intriguing about it, and it has this mystique that draws you in, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. If you notice, he never actually mentions who he's talking about until the very end of the song. If not for the fact that the song were called Seder Avoda, that it's about the order of the service of Yom Kippur, you wouldn't have known Necessarily that it's the Kohen Gadol It just says But a person who's familiar with the wording Of the, of the Yom Kippur Avodah Knows that Niknas the Makomshe she Is one of the phrases That's used Literally it's straight out of the machzor He went into the place that he was before And he did the thing that he had done before That is used in the actual machzor These lines are taken the bemakom she'amad And V'chat yadav raglav taval alav and Several times the Kohen Gadol changes his clothing on Yom Kippur In real life He changed his clothing Five times Okay Yom On Yom Kippur Not to different outfits This wasn't like Going on a Shabbaton When you're You know well, he, he changed his outfit He had two outfits He had the regular Kohen Gadol outfit Which was made of Eight uh, Different uh, Garments and, and you know He had like the Headband That said Kodesh Lashem And he had The colorful uh, Robe all the things that you've seen in pictures of the Kohen Gadol, pretty much whenever they want to depict the Kohen, they, they, they try to put a Kohen Gadol in there because it's so colorful and it's so beautiful. The regular Kohanim, they wore all white. The Kohen Gadol wore something with a lot of color to it. It looked very regal. And uh, he had the breastplate in the center of his chest with all the, the jewels that represented the tribes of Israel. That was called Big De Zahav. And he mentions that. Big De Zahav because they have gold. But he had another outfit which was called Big De Lavan, Big De Lavan is plain four garments of pants and a shirt and, and a belt and, and, a, and a hat on his head. That is basically what a regular Kohen wears the rest of the year. Okay, more or less, right? Uh, essentially, that's what it is. So that's called Big Levan, the white garments. So every time he would change. So normally on 364 days of the year, he would wear those golden garments. He would only wear the fancy Kohen Gadol garments. But on Yom Kippur, for s- the services that involved going into the Holy of Holies, he had to wear the big day lavan. He had to wear the white garments. So that's why he mentions here, he put on, he took off the big day achol and he put on the big day lavan. He put on the white garments. Now, technically, I don't want to start off the, you know, with a critique of the... Songwriter, but that he never actually did that because in real life, he first always put on the golden garments and did a bunch of things before he ever put on the white garments and he switched from gold to white. But that would kind of ruin the song. So I, 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 I want to focus on what, what Ishay Eribo is trying to bring out of the song. I don't want to focus on the historical accuracy, but just be aware that he's taking these motifs from the Yom Kippur Avodah of changing clothes and he's giving it a new meaning right going into the mikveh drying off which the kohen gadol has to go into the mikveh each time so he ends up going to the mikveh five times uh over the course of the avodah uh, you know from the beginning when he first takes off his regular clothes and puts on the golden garments and then each time he switches he has to go into the mikveh again and wash his hands that's why it says each time he has to wash his hands uh twice when he takes off the garments when he puts on the new ones so it's a it's a whole uh, you know it's a whole they they actually uh, tried to put some like uh, something to keep the mikveh relatively warm Because he would have to go in so many times And it was pretty cold If you've ever been Yom Shalaim At that time of year It's not necessarily warm on Yom Kippur um, So he, 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 it could be chilly But the point is He had to do this multiple times And again now, now here we come to a phrase That doesn't actually exist In the Yom Kippur Avodah And maybe that's why he tied it To something else That also doesn't really exist In the Yom Kippur Avodah Which it says Bam Makom Shuba." He came from wherever he came. And he went to wherever he went. Now that's not actually a line from the Yom Kippur Avodah and the Machzor, but it sounds like one, right? So he's taking something familiar to us like, which means he entered the place that he entered and he stood in the place that he stood. And he's playing off of that and saying he came from wherever he came and he went wherever he went. But that's not actually a phrase that exists in the Machzor of Yom Kippur. Neither is he took off the, the, the weekday garments and he put on the white garments because he never actually did that, right? And so he's maybe that signifies that he's going from the world of the actual avodah the actual service of the temple to like the imagine, the imaginary world of the ideas he's trying to bring out of the Avodah. Maybe that's how he's indicating it to us. Also, um, he interrupts him going to the Mcven and drying off and he doesn't have any clothes on apparently in between because, you know. So meaning uh, it, it's clear that we're being transported back and forth from almost like we're with the Kohen Gadol, which we know he's the Kohen Gadol, even though he hasn't said that, just because of the language. The language is the language of the Machzor, so we immediately know what we're talking about, and we know what we're, what we're supposed to be imagining. So we're imagining this, but then we're zooming out, and we're seeing that there's something else going on. And that's really, I think, part of the genius of the song, that we, he, he makes these transitions from the actual Yom Kippur Avodah, which is a very graphic and physical Ceremony that the Kohen Gadol would do on on Yom Kippur with all these technical details and all of these procedures. And then he moves into the sort of spiritual. Aspect or element The personal aspect or element Because everything the Kohen Gadol does, does that's outward Is something we can see And it's something official And it's something he's doing in his capacity as a Kohen Gadol But whatever is going on spiritually Inside the Kohen Gadol Or inside every Jew who's witnessing it Or inside every Jew who's in, in the Bet Knesset In the Kenisa on on Yom Kippur That's something very intimate and personal so you, and, and I think that's a lot of what the song is really trying to get at. Pashat day chol. what does it mean to change clothing, right? In the context of the Yom Kippur avodah, there are technical rules about what type of clothing he has to be wearing when he's doing certain services, which reflect wearing the big Day Now wearing the, uh, the priestly vestments, they're called in English. You know, these, the, the, these, this outfit, it indicates that you are fulfilling an official role. Like a policeman isn't supposed to just wear his police uniform when he's like hanging around with his, his family at the mall on a random Sunday. He's supposed to be wearing that when he's on duty. Okay, it indicates that he's on duty, he's serving. Same with a person in the, in the military, same with a person in any other, you know, a person who is a, who, who is a doctor doesn't go walking with a white coat around the neighborhood, you know, when, he's, when he or she is not uh, fulfilling their official capacity. A uniform indicates that you are not representing yourself, right? You're fulfilling a role. So when you're wearing ordinary clothes, you could say you're kind of being yourself, it's reflecting your own style or lack thereof, depending who you are, right? If you are a Kohen Gadol, you must wear this, this clothing because this clothing means, is dictated by the Torah as this, this is, that I'm not acting as, on a personal level. I'm acting in my capacity in my office as Kohen Gadol. Now, that I think says a lot about what the song is trying to get to. How we dress up, how we clothe ourselves, how we change the way we present ourselves in different contexts. And how the Kohen Gadol is which isn't actually part of the text of the, of the Avodah of Yom Kippur. He came from wherever he came and he, he went wherever he went. That's sort of a way of saying whoever this person is, what, wherever they've come from, wherever they've been, whoever they are as an individual... They're fulfilling, meaning we don't really know the Kohen Gadol. He's doing a service for everybody else that we see on the outside. But do we really know where he's come from or where he's going, where he's been? We don't really know him. He takes off big day chol. He takes off his weekday ordinary clothing. That is the clothing that he goes to with his family to the park, you know, on a, on a random afternoon. And he puts on these sacred garments and he becomes... The Kohen Gadol. He's now fulfilling a role. But he's still that person. Okay, so he cleanses himself to transition from his ordinary state to this sacred state where he's going to be fulfilling this holy function. But he's still a human being in there. You know? He's, there's still a person there with all the complications of a human being. And I think that's a lot of the uh, of, of what the song is trying to get at This interaction between the, the public The outward and the inner And then we have another part here Again, he pulls us back into the actual text of the Avodah The actual text of the Avodah Says that the Kohen Gadol would say Confessions over the different sacrifices And he would say Anna Hashem, kapel l'chataim avonot This is actual text. That's the first vidui. That's the first um, confession that the kohen uh, gadol would say, and uh, and he he would say it over the, the the bull that they would offer on the. But he never mentions the korbanot. He never mentions the actual sacrifices that the kohen gadol is doing. He just mentions the vidui. And again, what does that really reflect?
1: where he's coming from and where he's going. Like maybe to do the whole
0: thing with the goats. Right. I mean, it's, that's, the, that's what is interesting about the song. Meaning, he, he kind of hints to it all the time. He hints to the fact that there's a lot more going on, but he's zeroing in on the personal experience that we kind of forget about when we see just the pageantry of the service. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's doing all of these very important, significant things, but he's underneath there, he's a person. Right, so he's saying these things at Ives and and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the song interrupts with something totally different if a person could remember all of the defects and lacks and 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 sins, etc, meaning he's he's sort of imagining that this vidui can evoke inside of us a thought of the depth of our imperfection, right? How far from the mark we are. He doesn't even say the Kohen. He doesn't say that the Kohen doing the the confession is thinking that. He's saying, vimadam, if a person would think about all of the problems, all of the areas they've failed in, all of their imperfections, then what would they do? Now he brings another element from the Avodah which has nothing to do with the confession actually because when was the Kohen Gadol counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven? When was he doing it? When he took the blood of the, the first Korban, there were two Korbanot that he brought the blood into the Kodesh HaKodeshim and there were two Korbanot, that he the same two Korbanot that he also uh, you know, applied the blood in the Kodesh which is the Area right outside the Kodesh Kodashim, and then you know, so then he would count each time he would make the application achat achat via achat to make sure that he didn't do uh, you know do the wrong number of applications. Okay, he had to do one in one direction upwards. Holding his finger like this, and then seven downwards. So when so because he had to do one upwards and seven downwards, he didn't want to get confused. So he said achat for the one above, and then achat ve'achat achat u'shtayim. Because otherwise, if you just said one, two, three, four, five, be like, wait a second, was that including the first one or not? So just to make sure he didn't get confused, he would do achat then achat ve'achat achat u'shtayim u'chat v'shalosh and that's how he's counting. So really, what he was counting was the number of drops of blood that he's applying in these different places. Okay, that's in the real level down. That's done inside the Kodesh Kodashib, when he goes in there because he first goes in there to bring the incense and then he goes in there to apply the blood of Korban number one and then the Korban number two and then he... And so he has three times he goes in and then another time later that he goes in. Yes? The point is that he the Abodah done by the gadol right
1: but he doesn't do it for himself.
0: Right. Actually, he does it
1: to uh, make the whole community. Right. When he says that the Haam right. what he does, he does it for them to like instead of all of them, he does the Avodah. Right. But the reflection, the 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 not from Hashem, not for
0: himself. Right, right. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna okay. see that. We're gonna see that. We're gonna, you jumped ahead of us. That we're we're going slow. Okay? So First, I just want to talk about the achat v'achat, okay? So what is he saying? He's putting a new interpretation on the achat v'achat. Now, we took that element that most people who go to Knesset and Yom Kippur recognize that. Achat, achat v'achat, achat 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 v'arba, If you've been at the Mustafa of Yom Kippur, you've heard it because it's done multiple times, okay? So you, so you hear it again and again. He's taking it. He's saying if a person could count all of their failings, all of their... Imperfections, All of the times that they've done wrong Then they would say And so on and so forth In other words, the person would feel That they could go on counting forever And then Then the person would give up He couldn't handle All of the feeling of embarrassment And shame And, and, and bitterness And and, and self-reproach, we would call it in English, I guess, that, um, that he experiences thinking about the infinite depths of his own or her own failing, okay? So again, he's taking this element of the Avodah, which is very technical, and he's giving it a layer of meaning that is internal. That is, as this process of atonement is going on, what is going on inside The mind of the person who is receiving the atonement Whether it is the Kohen Gadol himself Whether it is any individual Jew What is going on inside their mind When they approach Yom Kippur, how are they feeling? There's definitely a feeling of awareness Of all the ways in which we have fallen short And a sense that it's almost overwhelming to us And so he's giving that element first Now, that element is the element of the depth of chit, the depth of our distance from God, you could say, our feeling of distance from God, our feeling of of unworthiness before God that is reflected. Now, what kind of clothing did he say before that the Kohen Gadol is wearing at this time? The big day lavan, the white garments. The white garments are supposed to be the garments of cleansing us, right? Cleansing and, and purification and atonement is represented by the white. So he's saying at this moment, when this part of the service is going on in the counting, in real life, so to speak, the counting was just a number of drops of blood. But in the internal life of the person experiencing Yom Kippur, there's so much more that is going on beneath the surface for all of us. There's the service going on. If you want to use a modern example, rather than the, the service of the Bet HaMikdash, when you are in the synagogue on Yom Kippur, we're all doing the same service. There's one chazan or maybe two, um, and, and, and we're all doing the same service. But each individual's experience of Yom Kippur, what they're thinking about, what they're reflecting about from the previous year, what they're feeling uh, unhappy about themselves about, where they're assessing their own shortcomings, that's going to be different from every per- in every person. And it can be very overwhelming. And part of what Yom Kippur does And the beauty of Yom Kippur is that Hashem says, despite that, despite the depth of the, let's say, unworthiness that you feel, despite the depth of sin that you feel, despite the distance that you feel from Hashem, there's still an opportunity. Don't give up. There's still hope. And that's why I said, a person who would start thinking and measuring the weight of all those sins would feel he couldn't bear it. They would feel that they would have to give up. They would feel that there's no hope. When you think about all the opportunities missed, all the losses, all the wrong turns, it's overwhelming. And yet Hashem is saying this is an opportunity to cleanse that away and to start fresh. This is an opportunity to begin with a completely new page, new chapter. That's the gift of Yom Kippur. Right? So he's, that's the first part of the song. Where he talks about the achat v'achat. Later on, he uses the achat v'achat in a different way. Okay? But the important part of the first half is that he's wearing big day lavan. He's wearing the white garments, meaning this is the process of cleansing. And in the next part, this is the part that is so powerful. Now, this again is literally from the machzor the, the of Yom Kippur, these words. Everyone recognizes it. When the people would hear, when they would hear Hashem's explicit name that we never say, the one that the Yurke that we never actually say it. we always say Adonai instead. When they would hear that name coming out of the mouth of the Kohen Gadol, this is the first time it mentions it, it's actually the Kohen Gadol in, in the story, that it mentions his name. Okay? Up to now, he's just an anonymous person doing random things that we, you know, we only know because of the context. Now we know that it's the Kohen Gadol. And they would bow down and say, Bauch Shem Malchuto Leolam Aulambaid. What is bauch shem kivod Malchuto Le'olam We say it also when? Kriyat Shema. Bauch shem kivod Malchuto Le'olam is the answer in the Beit HaMikdash to any bracha. They did not say, it says, en OMRIM AMEN BE-BET HaMikdash. They never said the word Amen in the Beit HaMikdash. They always said, bauch shem kivod Malchuto Le'olam And when they would hear the name of Hashem, when they would hear the Yud Ke they would bow down because the idea is Hashem is so beyond, so infinitely beyond anything, we can't even stand up when we think about, we can't, it makes us feel like nothing. Okay? But that feeling, that experience is also a cleansing experience. And that's why we know the next part of the, of the Avodah, everybody knows because especially in our synagogues, people especially connect to this part. Because then it says, then the Kohen would turn to them and say, Titaru. Right? And that was actually when he said the Yurke Vavke. And he would say to them, Titao, you should be cleansed. What cleanses us? What cleanses us is reaching beyond ourselves and realizing that there's a reality beyond us, that there's Hashem, there's the, infin- there's the, the infinity of Hashem.
1: Making
0: right, that is what real Teshuvah. Real Teshuvah is having the right perspective. If you look throughout the Tanakh, It never says do teshuvah because you did it from a sin. It always says, Return to God. Even on Tisha B'Av, what do we read in the morning? The main principle of teshuvah is to recognize that Hashem is is the only absolute reality. Everything else is fleeting. Everything else is insignificant. When you really recognize that, you let go of your attachment to anything else. You let go of all of the other uh, All of the other forces that pull you In the wrong direction When you recognize the absolute reality of Hashem That's what cleanses us That's why the Kohen turns to them and says Titarul, be purified How are you purified? Through the name of Hashem Not magic But because you internalize this idea That the only absolute The only reality that is eternal is Hashem Everything else that has pulled me down Is fleeting and that's the idea of them falling on their face. We say it after Shema Yisrael because Shema Yisrael is the same thing. It's declaring Hashem is absolute, Hashem Echad. And then we say the same response of Bauch Shem Kivod Malchuto Leolam va'ed. It's a similar response. When they would hear blessings of God and when they would hear the name of Yud Vavke in the Beit HaMikdash, this, this is what they would do. But they would fall on their face because they're hearing the name of a Yud Vavke. But that, they only use that name Very rarely Because it refers to like The highest And most direct way One can refer to Hashem We're not even Capable of uh, Of uttering that name At any other time Except in the Bet HaMikdash And under various special conditions Because We realize that it is A level of relating to Hashem That's That's beyond beyond It's a different word from Adonai Yeah Adonai You're allowed to say when you're learning Is Is a name that we Substitute for Yud Kevavke. Yud Kei Vavke would be some pronunciation, we don't know what it is exactly, right? That would actually match those letters. Mm-hmm. What we do know is that it signifies Haya, Hove, Viye, put together. That's mean, meaning that um, the letters are was, is, well, like Hashem, same thing, right? Was, is, and always will be. That's why the best translation of Yud Kei Vavke that I like from the old Chumashim that they usually don't use anymore is the Eternal. Because that's really what it means. Hashem is beyond space and time. He's beyond he transcends everything. <laughs> he
1: says,
0: we didn't get up to that yet. You're you're rushing us too fast. Too fast. Yeah, we're gonna get there, don't worry, we're gonna get there. Yeah. In a way I really like that he doesn't bring the animals into Because it, yeah. it makes
1: it just like modern a little more. Yeah, a little more modern. Yeah, I think it
0: helps people connect. Yeah. I heard that some like like more secular settings, they use this as, you know, as part of the surface instead of the, instead of the actual, uh, because they can't relate, they feel like they can't relate to the korbanot. I think that when you study the korbanot, I really truly believe that when you study it and you understand the significance of it, it, it takes on a different meaning. But when we just look at it on the surface, it's very, very hard for us to relate. When you've studied it more and you've really explored the deeper symbolic meaning of those korbanot, I think it becomes much more accessible and moving. But in the, when, when you see it just on the surface, I agree that it could be, Off-putting for people that that don't connect Um, But the idea here Again, is that now the, the now he's skipping. You know he does he doesn't give you a, uh, a the actual chronology of the avodah. He's skipping from element to element. You have the kohen gadol all alone in the kodesh kodashim applying blood. But then all of a sudden, if any person at that moment of kapara is thinking about the depths of their sin and how much they've gone wrong, you know, and then at that moment they have this purifying experience of reconnecting to the absolute, reconnecting to what's really important, and how that allows us to rise above whatever those failings are, that we're able to connect to that higher realm of existence on Yom Kippur. That's the cleansing power of the Yom Kippur. So that's in Big Day Lavan, right? Now, we go to the next part. Pasa shepasah. Now, the word pasa is used quite a lot in, uh, in the Avodah Yom Kippur. I don't believe that there is an actual phrase, pasah lemakom shepasah, but there's definitely the word pasa in there, which means to step. Panavla kodesh Because when he came out, of the Kodesh Kodashim, It would face the Kodesh It would face the, the, you know, the inside But it would be in There were three parts of the Bet HaMikdash There's Kodesh HaKodeshim Then there's what's called the Echal Which is this outer section But it's still holier than the courtyard of the Bet HaMikdash That is where the sacrifices are done This is where like the Menorah was And the golden altar was And, and, and the golden table with the bread on it That was all in the Kodesh and, But that wasn't the Kodesh HaKodeshim and then outside of that was what's called the Azarah, the courtyard, which was where the people were allowed to come and, 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 see what was going on. So he's, so it says, he came out facing Godish, below, without any stain, his mouth and his actions were, uh, were equal, meaning what he, what he felt and thought and what he was doing was equal. His, his intent and his action were, he, he, he were not contradictory with one another, meaning his external Actions And his thoughts And feeling Are in harmony with each other So now he puts on golden garments Okay Now so some kind of change has happened in this person Which we infer is the Kohen Gadol Himself right Which is that somehow but I think part of the message might even be, and maybe I'll say this later on. I don't want to ruin it. Okay, so the, but the, when he, he now it's saying the, that the person who, wherever he came from and wherever he's going is now somehow purified. He's reached a higher level because it's saying that now his, without any stain, his mouth and his actions are commensurate with one another. Yeah, revav means like a stain, yeah. What does it say here? Sinlessly. Yeah, whatever. Okay. They're, t- they're, they're reading the metaphor into the translation. But I mean, orvav like means yeah. like a stain. Yeah. So the, uh, the, in any case, the, 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 it's the same idea. Meaning like now he's pure because of that first step that he had. He puts on the big day zahav. Now we saw what are the big day zahav connected to? The everyday work of the Kohen Gadol. Right? Every other, every other time, whatever he's doing, even on Yom Kippur, when he's doing something that's done every other day of the year, he wears the golden garments. When he's doing what's specific to Yom Kippur and the, and the, and the Kodesh HaKodeshim, he wears the white garments. Okay? So now he's putting on the golden garments. The golden garments, he's still fulfilling his capacity as Kohen Gadol, but he's fulfilling it in a different way. He's fulfilling it not with the emphasis being on Kaparat Avonot. Not the emphasis being on atonement and going into the Kodesh Kodesh and the depth of sin and needing to shed it from us. Okay, there is a different focus now, and we see in the next vidui how he expresses it. Now again, he keeps transporting you to different parts of the avodah that are not actually in order based on the machzor. Okay, it's important to mention that he's taking these elements and repackaging them and reworking them. Now he says that. Okay. So he says the same thing. Now in real life, he didn't say the same vidui. Twice said different. But now the point is, now now he's again pulling back from this individual, like before. He talked about the person in the song uh, making a vidui, making a uh, making a, a confession, and then said, and if a person could think of all the sins and all of the defects, how they would feel. Right? Now he says, and if a person could think of all the kindnesses and the good things and all the mercy and all the salvation that he's received, beta chayamone, he would definitely also count it. Achat, achat achat, nisim imanu. Now he's borrowing a phrase from, does anybody recognize that? From the tefillah? From nishmat kolchai. If you've read Nishmat Kolchai That's a part of Nishmat Kolchai When it says alfei alafim vero vavot nisim imanu, that's, a, that's a phrase from Nishmat Kolchai Okay So that when we're praising and thanking Hashem Because Nishmat Kolchai Is actually The whole theme of Nishmat Kolchai Is our inability to articulate All of our gratitude to God That's what Nishmat Kolchai is about How there's so much that Hashem's done for us That it's impossible for us to be able to articulate all of it So the, so now he's changed the counting into not accounting of sin and not accounting of the negative, but an enumeration of the positive, the 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 chassadim, all of the good that Hashem has done. Because just as Hashem, uh, the, the the idea that Hashem is so transcendent, and the idea that Hashem is so uh, you know is is the absolute. Okay, on one hand, when we look at ourselves, we see. The imperfections When we look through that Through that You know prism We look at ourselves We see all the The things that hold us back From relating to Hashem We see all the mistakes That we've made We see our imperfection We see our defects When we're thinking about The, the, the perfection of Hashem But on the other hand When we look outward We see That as Because of Hashem's greatness All of the Kindnesses All of the goodness All of the gifts All of the Infinite Every moment that we're alive and able to breathe, you know, uh, blessings that we're receiving just by existing on earth. It's really, we can't count it. We can't count all of the great things that Hashem is doing every single moment. Just like we wouldn't be able to count and enumerate in our inner world all of the areas that we feel that, we're fall- that we've fallen short. If we really think about it, when we're looking at the negative, there can be infinite negative within us. But when we look outside, we can see infinite positive. And he's saying both of these elements are a part of our relationship with Hashem. They are both part of our relationship with Hashem. Because when we're feeling pulled down by the negatives, we reconnect to Hashem and recognize that that's what can cleanse us from those things. That's what can get us back on track. That's what can lift us out of, let's say, the pit of our despair that we're falling into from all the things that pull us down. But also when we're thinking about all the chassadim, all of the good, we also recognize that that reflects the greatness of Hashem. That's coming from that same absolute, okay? That leads us back to Hashem. So instead of turning to Hashem just to cleanse us from our own defects, we're now turning to Hashem out of a sense of hakarat There are two ways a person can come to recognize the greatness of God One of them is in the negative, where you see that you are, you see how low you've sunk and you want to grab onto something higher to pull yourself out. But another time is when you see how good things are, that you're seeking the source of that goodness. You're seeking the source of that blessing. You want to connect to the higher realm from which all of that goodness is flowing to you. Okay, that is... The second, and so then he says Then when the people would hear The name of Hashem from the mouth of the Kohen Gadol They would bow down and say Now notice, it never said either time That he actually said the name of Hashem It never mentioned that until now Right? Meaning it's implying that he said the name of Hashem Or maybe in the vidui, It's implying that he said the name of Hashem Right? Which is true, that he did do that But the point is that in both cases He starts out with a vidui In the first case From the vidui of the mistakes Comes a focus on the depth of our failures And we reach out to Hashem to redeem us And pull us out of that In the second one Thinking about our our missteps Focus is not on the depth of our failures But on all the things that we All the good reasons we have for being good All of the positive reasons there are To be better not getting lost in the negative, but focusing outward on the positive, being grateful for it, and seeking opportunity to serve God. And I think that might be why he's saying that this is in the big days. I have in real life, the Cohen never did any of the um, uh, any of the uh, confessions. I keep trying to find the word in English. Sounds maybe sounds too Catholic. Um, he never did any of the confessions. vidui yeah. vidui. So he never did any of those vidui with. Uh, with, a, uh, with Bigdeh Zahav With the golden garments Because they're always Related in some way or another To going to the Kodesh HaKodeshim In real life But in the song He's trying to say I think De Zahav Again Represents the positive The majestic In the serving of God That the Kohen Gadol Wears these amazing It says Lechavod that Tiferet That the, the, the whole point Of the garments Was to glorify The service of God And to glorify the person Who serves God So rather than Coming to God needing cleansing from our failures, we come to Hashem in order to strengthen the positive in our relationship with Him, to see the blessings more clearly and to hone in our energies in the, in the direction of coming closer to Him And that's the Big Deh Zahav Because the Big Deh Zahav Are these regal garments That the Kohen Gadol wears When he's serving Hashem Not white garments That the Kohen Gadol is wearing When he's trying to cleanse us From the defects that, we, that that have become a part of us Over the past year So you have these And both of them Lead us to the same thing Which is The name of Hashem And the Baruch Hashem Kavod okay, So you have, you have both Alright Now um I wonder if yeah he
1: mentioned the the what he is wearing, but it doesn't mention
0: the khoshen. Well because the big Dei Zav, that's part of the big Dei Zav part of the big Dei Zav is a choshen that's included in that. The choshen is zav that's why it's it called the choshen. And in in all of the like the Talmud whenever they talk about the coin Gadol Zav it's called the big Day That's it includes everything. Everything was gold it was made the Made from uh, you know was oh, he had to get rid of all that on on, on, on you know, when he did the avodah the inside of the kodesh kodashim and none of the other kohanim ever wore yeah it's colorful it's got all blues and so different colors no because he has this robe that's Why really did beautiful this gold? because that was probably the thing that you know was they the most striking them? about it they could have but that was just how they referred to it I guess because the gold is what stood out. Maybe more- there was a lot of gold because you would see the khoshen, like the most, uh, probably the most uh, prominent thing. First of all, he has a headband that was gold and he also had the khoshen in the front that was gold and I think that probably was the most eye-catching. It's called big de'zap. And the, and the other kohanim, they didn't have any, uh, any gold or any, uh, anything like that in their, in their garments. So only the kohen gadol had a lot of color and he stood out in that way. So the, but I think that in this, in the context of the song, the big de'lavan is kind of referring to turning to God out of a feeling of despair To pull us out of a feeling of despair To pull us out of a feeling that We're being weighed down By the mistakes and the sins That have made us feel polluted And made us feel unworthy And so we're connecting to Hashem To pull us out of that And the big day in the song Even though he starts out by talking about a vidui That we've gone wrong Rather than focus on counting The depths of how wrong we've gotten He says instead focus on the positives of how blessed we are, how many opportunities there are, how many gifts we have in our lives, how many privileges we have, and through that, move towards a better uh, a connection with Hashem. So it's, it's a beautiful way to sort of, uh, you know, we don't believe that a person who loves Hashem because they get a lot of stuff loves Hashem. They just love getting a lot of stuff. Just like I, I always use the example of every kid, uh, every kid until they're maybe, how old are you? Until they're 28, right? Every kid says, when you ask them, what do you love about your mom? She makes me dinner. She makes my bed. You know, that when, whenever, they, whenever they have Mother's Day, right? What you love about your mother. Ah, she gives me food. She gives me this. She gives me that. That's not what you love about your mother. That's what you love about yourself, that your mother does. <laughs> You know, that doesn't any, you know, she's the source of what I'm getting. That's not really loving your mother. When, when, you, when, it, when somebody gets older and they reach their hopefully 20s, right? They start to say, I love my mother because she's a good person. She's, she teaches me the right values. She's, you know, I see, uh, you know, I see what a principled person, she's honest, she's caring. All the qualities that you start to see in your parents as you get older, right? When you're young, you just think about yourself. So it's the same thing about Hashem. In the beginning, we just see what he gives us. But eventually we see that that giving, that blessing Is because of the greatness of Hashem That we want to come closer to the source For its own sake We want to come closer and connect to Hashem And understand Him And study His ways And study His wisdom To connect to Him Not just because of what we get out of it Right? So this is the, this is the second part And if you... Um, and now we get makom shamad. And this is what he before, right? He came from the place that he came out, and he trembled in the place. And I think this is a very, very interesting moment. Why does he tremble in the in right here? Well, let's see what he's about to do. Pashat big dezav big day atzmo. Isn't the scariest moment in your life when you have to be yourself? Right, the, the, the scariest moment in life is when you, when you take off the big days of heaven, you don't know who you are. Right, You, you don't know who really, who am I? A, am I this role that I play? Am I that role that I play? Am I that costume? Am I that uniform? Who am I? And I think a lot of people that, you know, they come out of, let's say the military, for example, is a classic example of that. They come back into civilian life uh, they don't know who they are. You know, they have to find who am I? You know, I was, pl- I, was, I was fulfilling this role. Who am I? Or another example is, you know, parents as, they, as their kids get older and they move out of the house, and then the parents, are, they call them empty nesters, right? And then the empty nester says, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now because I, I don't know what my role is. I, for all this time, I was a parent. And I don't know what to do now. So when you shed all of the roles that you play, as represented by these different uniforms, and he put on Big Dad's Mo, it's actually a, a moment of truth. And I think that's why he says, he, sh- he trembles a little bit, because now he has to, whatever this service has been, now he has to become himself. Now he has to carry it into his ordinary life. And now it says, for the first time, was his, what? The his own, no, own clothes goes home. Oh, He's finished working. He gets, he gets the night off. He, after Yom Kippur, the last step of the service is he puts on his own Outfit You know his own His own personal clothes so A personal clothes Yeah I mean they don't watch him change But you know He it, Yeah then they would walk him home So then it says That they would all escort him To his house And they would make A, a Yom Tov for him Meaning that night Obviously not on Yom Kippur They wouldn't be eating And drinking on Yom Kippur But they would go celebrate With him because he You know be, Now in the real Avodah Yom Kippur It says because he came out Of the Kodesh kodashim And everything was Okay uh, which wasn't a given, but in this song it says because everyone was forgiven. That's why he. That's why everyone's celebrating. Now, notice it again doesn't actually say that he's the Kohen Gadol, um, and I think there is something here that I suspect is um, is going on, which is that the point of this never saying that he's the Kohen Gadol throughout the whole song is that each one of us is this person, meaning. Each one of us, the Kohen Gadol represents every Jew, even though we as individual Jews, if we are not the Kohen Gadol, don't actually go and perform the service in the Kodesh HaKodeshim, we're not allowed to, but he's representing every Jew and he's embodying every Jew. So he's never mentioned in the text as the Kohen Gadol, as this individual and you notice that each time it mentions the vidui, and he says, Ani u beti, I and my family, then it says, if a person would think about all of their defects, if a person would think about all of their blessings. Meaning, he's not, it's not about him the individual, it's about him as a representation of each one of us. We go through the rituals of Yom Kippur. We go through the process. We go through the tefilot. We spend hours and hours in the Bet Knesset. But at the end of the day, each person on their own is having their own Yom Kippur. Right? And so and 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 it and, and that's why it says Kineslach There's a celebration for this individual who performed the service, but really it's about the entire Jewish people having the kaparah, like you all said before. And then it says Ashreya Am but you'll notice there's a really brilliant thing that he does with the music here. That it's as everyone is saying Ashreya Am Shekahlow, Ashreya Am Shah Shemelokav. Happy is the people that has this and that has Hashem as our God. He's saying himself, Yishay Ribo is doing a solo over that, and he's saying, "Ki mm-hmm. Kohen." This is actually a piyut at the end of the Avodah Ki that we read in Musaf. That actually, um, with a lot of times we abridge it because it's really really long. But it's a uh, talking about the 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 face of the Kohen Gadol, how bright it was shining when he came out of the Kodesh Hakodeshim that it's, it's so it says all of these different things like a canopy of heaven like uh, uh, it's like lightning coming from the angels it's like a it's like a rainbow so um mm-hmm. This is from the Machzor The idea of Mare Kohen Is one of the, is one of the uh, Piyutim that's, That describes The Kohen Gadol So the fact that he layers that Musically Actually He has that at the same time The people The nation Being so fortunate That they have Hashem As their God What does it mean That we're so fortunate We are so fortunate That we have a relationship With God That can recalibrate us whether we've, When we fall into the depths, it can pull us out. When we're lost, it can refocus us on the proper path, on the good, to see the good and to pursue the good. Seeing the good means seeing all of our blessings, but that's not just physical blessings, it's spiritual blessings. Realizing the beauty of Judaism that we have and, and pursuing that. That's part of the blessings we have. So these experiences, they might be facilitated by an individual. They might be represented to us by a Kohen Gadol doing a service. But it's the nation, each and every member of the nation, that is the beneficiary of that. That's really Im- going to internalize that, right? Because the nation is made up of individuals. So yeah, we have one chazan who's leading the prayer, but each person is praying. Each person is impacted by it. So there's a there there's a, there, there is the chazan as individual, but it's not as important who that person is. That's he's. One Jew from among all of us who happens to be helping us, but each one of us is going through our own process internally of negotiating this. So in the end, what is the real message, I think, is purposely not to focus on the individuality of the Kohen Gadol, but to focus on the process of going through Yom Kippur externally and internally, and identifying with the Kohen Gadol in, in that way and connecting to the absolute reality of Hashem in all that that means as something that helps us purify ourselves from what holds us back, but also something that stabilizes and focuses us on what is good. And that the, the service of Yom Kippur is symbolic. It's done by the Kohen Gadol. It's symbolic, but it's, it's something that each one of us does also. Sometimes we're in the role of Trying to cleanse ourselves Sometimes we're in the role of Trying to strengthen ourselves in the positives Sometimes we're trying Sometimes at the end of a Going to a shiur Or at the end of kenisa At the end of the, the tefillah We say to ourselves Am I one person in the bet Knesset And a different person when I leave? When I take off the big Deza'av, I take off the golden garments I put my regular garments on Who am I now? How much of that is really me? How much is internalized in me, you know? And so, this process is something we all go through, uh, and I think it, it beautifully captures that kind of mystery of the experience of Yom Kippur as a public kind of a service that has a very private meaning and a very personal meaning for every individual trying to apply it to themselves. And we celebrate that we have the zakhud of having this experience as a community, But the Kohen's face shining is really the face of every person who's been able to go through and feels a glow after Yom Kippur, feels that they've been transformed by it, and feels that they're carrying something home with them, even though it's scary to leave Yom Kippur. Because when you're in the Beit Knesset on Yom Kippur, you're protected from every outside influence, every nonsense, every materialism, every distraction. And when you go out, it's a little bit scary to see, to, to, to become yourself again. You know, the Yom, our Yom Kippur selves are usually our best version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, we go back to the regular life. How much are we going to carry home with us? That's, and I think in that way, we can all identify with the song and it really has a, a, a very powerful message. Yes. Uh, Becky, you want me to I came very late. It's okay. But
1: the are... they, I don't take points
0: off for lateness the first time. Just, Next uh, time, you'll we, we'll have to. You have to. Yeah. But I
1: think about the gold. The gold, is it uh, also it mentioned, like shows the golden calf, like how much God forgive
0: us So um, that, God, that's, that's a good God connection God, that you're in making a way, in a way, Yeah like when he's using yeah. this we
1: are coming here we are having someone talking like for yeah. just remember that and how much God forgave us even when we're, we went to the golden calf also being forgiven Yeah us. you're right and
0: actually Yom Kippur is the reason why Yom Kippur was chosen as the day of forgiveness is that was the day Hashem said that he forgave the sin of the golden calf That was okay, sorry, the 40, 40 God, days God, of 30 selichot 30 is all years but years but, years. but you're, you're, you're definitely hitting on something that's in the avodah, but in a way the opposite. The reason why when he went into the Kodesh HaKodeshim, he wore only white and not gold is because you can't come into the Kodesh HaKodeshim with something reminding you of the, of the golden calf because it's almost like insensitive to the fact that we did the sin of the golden calf. So to a certain extent, yes, the gold, the fact that we have gold incorporated means that we were able to, um, to overcome that sin. But we still have to be sensitive to the fact that the golden calf, the sin of the golden calf, shows you that it's part of human nature to be drawn into idolatry, and so we should always be vigilant about it. We can't just be like, yeah, whatever. That was the past. Now we can have gold, and we won't have a problem. No, you should always realize that there's the temptation of idolatry there. So that's why he wears only white when he goes in, actually. But that was a very good observation. Is that
1: why we're not supposed to wear? I heard. That's why people don't
0: wear gold, because yeah, that's the reason. Yeah. It's a custom. Or it's a custom. a custom. It's a custom. But for the kohen gadol, it was very serious. For the kohen gadol, it was a for us, it's a custom. People have, and it's a good. I think it's a very appropriate custom because it uh, makes people aware of it. But why? People make a mistake. They think, oh, it's going to remind Hashem about the golden calf and then he's going to be mad. That's not how it works. Hashem doesn't have a forgetfulness and need a reminder. The idea is that we are showing that we're sensitive to it, that we shouldn't take for granted that, oh, we've overcome that already, that whole idolatry thing it's no problem. No, it's still in us. We're still looking for that. Idolatry is any quick fix in religion any magical solution in religion is already borderline idolatry. Um, and so we always have to be vigilant to guard against that. Yes?
1: So I find this theme like a lot in like tiffy Road where like it first says like, I'm not first, I don't know for a second, but it says like a lot of like negative things that can happen and then like all the blessings that we can receive. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like the opposite of all the negative things. Like even just the Tiffy that you read like and everyday and a lot of the times I see like when I read the negative things, I'm like, Oh my god, I don't really wanna read it, but I know it's a part of the book, so I should. It. And it's the same with like, you know, Yom Kippur and it's the same with this song, it also has it. Yeah. But you're saying that seeing the depth of the negativity it can draw you closer to Hashem. I would love to have a different relationship with that idea Yeah. Maybe you could just expand on it a little bit more.
0: <clears throat> well it's uh I think that when a person um Really, what causes us to get stuck in the lows, in the negative, is attachments to things that are not Hashem. And whether it's our own ego, whether it's addictions to certain pleasures, whether it's addictions to uh, uh, being liked by other people, whether it's money, whether it's uh, all, uh, you know, a whole. Array of things that we become attached to them And we, we ascribe significance to them Independent of Hashem As if they are basically It's a type of psychological idolatry You could say, not really I don't want everyone to say like Oh my God, the rabbi said we're all idol worshippers No, everyone has it Right? We're attached to things that are not the real thing They're not the authentic thing And so what what that should cause a person to do Is become aware that these attachments are pulling me away from what is really, what I really truly should be attached to, what is really truly important. And part of what Yom Kippur does in cleansing us is it helps us to see what is really, truly important. And when you see things from that perspective, I think a lot of people, when they're in the Knesset on Yom Kippur, are thinking, you know, I could do this better. And why did, why did I do that stupid thing? Why did I say that? And why did I make this mistake? Because it seems so clear. Yeah, all well, this is nonsense. That, you know, the things that are, that are pulling me down. Why am I allowing this nonsense, these trivial things, petty things, to, to assume so much importance in my life? Why am I doing that? I should just see what is absolutely true. Just go after that and have a meaningful life and forget about all this stuff, right? That's what it feels like, you know? So that's part of what Yom Kippur pushes you to do. The, the thing is that Yom Kippur is a controlled condition. You're not meaning, you're, you're, you're isolated from, like it says, the Satan has no power on Yom Kippur, right? The Satan is powerless. We take away his weapons because we're not involved in the pleasures. We're, we're, we're praying all day. That all the things that normally pull us down they're not available we're, we're, we're sitting in synagogue most of the time So as a result We are isolated And once we go back into the real world And have to interact with it again That's when we start feeling the pull right away So if a person can That's why the Toamid Sukkot right afterwards There's more mitzvot to do Don't allow yourself to, to, to go right back into From 100 to 0 No, right after Yom Kippur We start with more mitzvot That way we're channeling that energy in the right way Now what's the ideal? Let's say you made 10 steps forward on Yom Kippur if, even if you take eight steps back by the end of Sukkot, you still made two steps gain, and that's how the Yom Kippur works. That's why we don't only have it once; we have it every year, because every year that focus on what's really important pushes us a little bit further closer, and a little, and it gets better. And so, a cumulative effect of a few Yom Kippur, you know, you build and build and build. It's not something that you can do in a day; it's something that happens slowly. But definitely this period of time is a time to think about what are the things, what are the attachments I have? What are the, uh, you know, or the addictions I have, you could call them, that, are, that I'm putting basically on par with Hashem in my life. And I need to recognize that and demote them to their proper place and not allow them to make the decisions for me. And that's, that's really what the, the idea of focusing on the name of Hashem and everyone falling on their face is really saying like, why don't we realize this all the time, that this is really the ultimate and this is really what it's all about? It's so hard to do it the rest of the year. On Yom Kippur, we're able to do it. So we try to take some of that with us. Yes?
1: Just a reflection in response to, to your question, just like how I heard the song with what Rai was speaking about today, that idea of like the Kohen Gadol. It's a Kohen Gadol, but it's also us. And that, and that idea where the Kohen Gadol is the one standing in the B'nai Dash, not able to count the sins, right, to stand there saying, like, one, two, three, and, like, can the person even count that? I think, for me, that's, like, validating that, like, even the Kohen Gadol is standing in the face of my not able to count all his sins, because it's normal and part of the human experience, that we're not supposed to be perfect, and it's, like, we're supposed to go into Yom Kippur and not able to count all our sins, so I, I think, like, moving away from that, like, guilt, but into, like...
0: The validating and understanding that that's normal and that's part of the
1: human experience, like, kind like takes that like, for you. That right is you a know. good point. I like that. That's a really good point, too. I see it's also, you know, that when you are when you know the negative, the positive it gets more powerful. It's exactly when we are hungry, yeah. When you're okay, we are seeing when we are hungry, we are seeing what is hungry, like in a normal day, like we're eating. Thank you, God, we're eating. Thank you, God, we're eating. But when you're really, hungry, yeah, you're really seeing it. So the same with the other double. So when we're counting, it is almost actually making the positive that you're thinking about. If I just say the positive, 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 it's nice, but when you're knowing the negative of it, it will make that positive double.
0: Yeah, that's true. It that's, it also does work like that. And I think people who have been through times where they really felt disconnected and like the contrast is always, even on even on Pesach we talk about that idea, that when we talk about the story of, of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, we always start with the negative, you know, how bad it was, how bad it was, how bad it was, because that's how you appreciate, you know, the gift of the good. And and that's exactly what you're saying, what Vicky's saying. And I, and I think it's, it's definitely... Also true. So the, the beauty of the song, I, I liked what Mrs. Ziegler um, added, was uh, really spot on, that it's, uh, it, it, it connects to everyone's experience. I think everybody kind of has that, uh, has that uh, same crisis with themselves around the time of Yom Kippur and knowing that every person is going through it can really make you feel better. We're all at a different point point, but and we're all processing it a little bit differently, but we're all going through that. And not to give up. That's what he's saying. Don't give up. You can rise above. You have the right trajectory. You know that, that ultimately you want to connect back with Hashem. And there, there's an infinite amount of, uh, of things wrong for all of us. So that shouldn't make you feel like you're any less because that's the human condition, basically. I think that's a very good point. Yes? Um,
1: when the comment says, What does that mean in my house? My family. So it's not representing all of the...
0: Well, I—that's what I'm going to say. Like in in the in the uh, uh, in in the vidui of the Kohen Gadol in the, in, the, in, the, in Yom Kippur, he actually says, uh, "I and my family and the Kohanim." He includes the Kohanim, and then the next time he says that I've sent that the Jewish people have sinned. He speaks on behalf of the Jewish people. But I think that in a way, I might—I suspect that in the song, because he doesn't really want to isolate this person as only the Kohen Gadol. He kind of wants to make it someone we can all relate to. So he just makes us think of it as a person. And therefore he doesn't say he's the coin or he's saying it, for the Jewish people, because that would imply he's somebody other than the Jewish people. Vague, he's kind of making it more vague so we can identify. I feel like that's what he's trying to say. Because you know, don't you sometimes think to yourself, you know, uh, you take also some responsibility for your family. You think, oh, my family is not going in the best direction. You know, what decisions could I have made that I could have been a better mom? I could have been a better dad. I could have been a better example. I could have, and then, and you start to take that into into account I'm as well.
1: Family. Every you single person in there that they ever met. You know? <laughs> that, yeah.
0: that feeling of like me and
1: my family. Yeah,
0: there is definitely a feeling of that, which is nice. It's a good feeling. Um, but yes, yeah, so it, it, that's definitely part of the, the experience of Yom Kippur too. Everyone's thinking about their family as well. In all the different ways. You're thinking about your family in terms of what could I have done better as a member of my family. Whatever, my, you know, whatever that role entails. And then you're also thinking about the blessings for your family that you're hoping for and that you're, that you're appreciating. Uh, in your life. So, and also the line, Ashrei Ha'am Shikachalo, that's
1: yeah. from Ashrei HaShvei,
0: right? It is, uh, we say it with Ashrei HaShvei, mm-hmm. it's not actually part of that Mizmor and but it's, uh, we append it to there, to start the Ashrei. Really, Tehila Le David is the first pasuk, but we, we append it from the previous... Right, we put that in the, we put that onto the, onto Ashrei, but we actually don't, it's actually not part of Ashrei. Mm-hmm. Like, Ashrei actually starts with Tehila Le David. We call it Ashray because they appended that Pasuk to the beginning. But yeah, we do say. From, so you're saying the
1: Ashray, Ashray, Pasukah? Ashray Ham
0: Shekah Ashray Ham is what we say when we take the Torah out. Ashray Ham mm-hmm. Shekah oh,
1: Ashray
0: And we take out the Torah so and Where's it
1: originally from?
0: It's from Te'ilim also. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's, you're, we, we, are, we think of it as uh, we say it in the beginning of Ashray, even though it's sort of a prelude to Ashray, it's not actually part of Ashray. Even though it's named after it, because it became the first line, yeah. um, so it sounds weird to say Ashrei is not really part of Ashrei, but technically it's it's a pasuk before. But yeah, that's where you know it from. But we also say when we take out the Torah. But,
1: but in the ma'aser also, is it? No, no, it I mean, is. N- from not from the Ashrei section,
0: but something No, else. no, yeah, they say it in the in the part of the avodah to Ashrei Am that that we are so fortunate that we have this avodah that can help us reconnect with Hashem every yom kippur. We do say. Oh,
1: and also about the blood. When you were saying um, the first time where it talks about the counting, mm-hmm. um, when the kohain, the gadol, was doing the whole thing with the blood and counting, mm-hmm. was his thought supposed to be that each time he does it, it it's a bit of the sin of Am Yisrael? It doesn't. I
0: don't. T- I don't know if it works like that, but it's the the blood that he's applying is supposed to be the idea of part of the idea of Yom Kippur which isn't really part of the song but since you asked I'll mention is also purifying and cleansing the Bet HaMikdash because the idea is that have we're unworthy as humans to have a Bet HaMikdash like that's something very very sacred the idea that it represents Hashem and who are we to have a place that we walk into and do, and and it's a place of house of God so to speak All right so it's so on Yom Kippur we're cleansing it we're going and saying we know that we haven't had the proper intention we haven't treated it with the proper respect we have it, we don't have enough sensitivity to the holiness of of Hashem to really be the you know be responsible for the Beit HaMikdash so we're kind of like part of the atonement is cleansing and atoning for the Beit HaMikdash itself saying we realize that what is atonement really always atonement is always saying i realize the ways in which I've fallen short, Hashem, meet me halfway. You know, it's not like I'm perfect now, so I, I'm just entitled to Hashem's help. It's, I, I realize my feelings, Hashem, meet me halfway. So we're basically saying, we realize we're unworthy of being the, you know, the, the respons- re- responsible for the Bet HaMikdash and, and having, having this uh, holy place under our charge, basically. So we're saying to Hashem, we recognize that. So since we recognize it, forgive us and, and allow us to continue serving you in this way because we realize that we're imperfect in our service. So it's, it's, that part of it is almost like the cleansing of the Bitta Mikdash, basically, the purification of the Bitta Mikdash. And the other parts are purification of the people. It's almost like basically a reset, reset button on the entire nation and on the Bitta Mikdash. It's it's saying that we are the we the Jewish people have this relationship with Hashem who is beyond our, who's so transcendent and so holy and so beyond our understanding we have this relationship with Him and we're serving Him and worshiping Him even though we know that our understanding of Hashem is so tiny so limited so probably distorted so wrong you know we have such an incomplete understanding and we're so incomplete in our service of Hashem and therefore our treatment of the Beit Hamikdash or we could use as an example our treatment of our own. Synagogues, our treatment of our holy institutions falls short of what it should be because we don't have enough sensitivity to what holiness is, you know? And so, so therefore we're constantly, we have to renew it. The renewal is kapara. The renewal is saying to Hashem, we recognize that we've fallen short. We want to renew the relationship again. And that's, that's what it is again and again. But that's not so much, the Bet the Mikdash part is not so much the emphasis of the song. Song is more on the personal side, I think. Any other statements, uh, comments, questions? If Shai Revo knew that you are going to make the so nicely of his song, he cannot even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, has he has to send me I a don't nice think check. Anybody in That's such a to this for Rebo. Yeah. Well, I and I, I I would be happy to talk with him one day uh, about <laughs> it and see. He might it? say, you know, you're off about this point or that point, but I'd be interested to know.
1: You <laughs> do my you best. Do it has a podcast. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. You can interview different singers who have meaningful songs. Right. And the problem is he doesn't he
1: speak English. Yeah, he doesn't speak English. No. no. Exactly. You'll talk to him. <laughs> you'll have a translator. You'll you can talk to you. you him.